This is Chris Hutchinson, one of your hosts from the Ripple Leader podcast. Today, we're going to talk to Jim Kuzis, the co-author of many books, The Leadership Challenge is approaching its 30th anniversary, The Truth About Leadership and Learning Leadership. Josh and I asked Jim some questions about ruts and leadership. When you're stuck in a rut, you have to question everything except your ability to get out of it. And I think that goes back to this first step. You have to believe that you can learn to lead in order to get out of a rut. Um, that's the first step. Uh, You get stuck in a rut if you drive the same road every single day. So getting out of a rut goes back to learning and adopting the practices uh, and these fundamentals of learning to lead. You got to challenge yourself, engage support, you need to practice deliberately. Uh, You also need to have aspirations to get better than you currently are. So I I think getting out of a rut is really uh, finding new paths to go down that will force you to learn new skills and abilities. The Ripple Leader Podcast, exploring powerful leadership from the inside out with your hosts, Chris Hutchinson and Josh Schuler. I know, and Josh knows, that you and Barry have been writing on leadership for some time with a lot of success. I've been really happy to use your work as research-based that I didn't have to talk to a million people, but those fundamentals are there. So could you give us a nutshell introduction to you and your work around leadership? Well, thank you, first of all, Chris, for this opportunity. And thanks to Joshua as well for the opportunity to this interview. And thanks for that question. Uh, We're just grateful that the Leadership Challenge has been available for now 29 years, 30th anniversary next year. We first came out with the first edition in 1987. So this will be our 30th anniversary, and it's just been a wonderful opportunity to be able to to reach the new readers in the coming years. For 19 years, I was involved in executive education, and I met my co-author, Barry Posner, when I was the director of the Executive Development Center at Santa Clara University. Prior to that, I'd been at San Jose State University, University of Texas, and also served in the Peace Corps. Oh. Yeah, Yeah, it was a wonderful experience, which actually got me on this path. Uh, I I started on this path because I was a teacher in the Peace Corps, and I loved teaching so much. I had originally wanted to be in the Foreign Service, but I loved teaching so much that when I came back, I wanted to do something in education and wound my way into executive education, where I spent uh, the early part of my career for nearly 20 years. And then in 1988, I left academia to become president of the Tom Peters Group Learning Systems, uh, then CEO and chairman of Tom Peters Company which I left in 2000 to devote full-time to just writing and to teaching and executive education, mostly keynote speaking now. And in terms of the book, Barry Poser and I published our first edition in 87, as I mentioned, and the Leadership Challenge has been in, in print continuously ever since then. We've written over a dozen other books on leadership, including the most recent one you mentioned, Learning Leadership, uh, and have over 30 other publications in the training and development space, including our leadership practices inventory. And the Leadership Challenge, that particular book discusses the five practices of exemplary leadership, which are the competencies leaders use when in, uh, performing at their best. So that, in a nutshell, is both a little bit about the book and a little bit about my background. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for that. I'm curious what inspired you to write this particular book. I mean, you have a huge array. I've written one and I feel like, you know, bowing down sort of like, wow, that's so much work to write one book. 
what inspired you to write this particular book, Learning Leadership? Well, one of the lessons that Barry and I learned in our research on best leadership practices was that the best leaders, the highest performing leaders, both from the constituents as well as the leaders' own ratings of their, their engagement in these practices, are the best learners. So the best leaders are the best learners. We've known that for quite some time. And we wanted to explore more fully than what what are the fundamentals, the the essential uh, practices and the context in which learning occurs at its best, uh, which led us to the exploration that ended up with the book Learning Leadership. And, and we've always seen leadership as a learnable set of skills and abilities, and that people can improve those skills and abilities when they set goals, design learning experiences, get feedback, uh, pays uh, as much attention to the method as to the results and get coaching. Mm-hmm. But we hadn't explored more fully that learning leadership is a daily habit, the context and the culture we need to create in order to be the best learners we can be. And so that was the driver behind this particular book. Well, yeah, in, in the book that you and, and Barry say that you want to use learning leadership, you want people to use it, not just read it, and leadership is a learned skill set, which you sort of shared. Um, I definitely see Josh, you and I, and Barry as comrades in arms. We're trying to get people beyond just knowing about something actually into action. So how can leaders help other people to just do it? You know, get go past the, yeah, I know, and I'll just do whatever I do, to actually making that impact. How do we help those leaders do that? Well, there, there are five fundamentals to becoming the best learner. And... We, if one is a coach or a trainer, we think these five are essential elements of any effective intervention. First of all, we have to help uh, the learner believe that they can do this. Now, one, if I were to ask you, what do you think is the most frequently asked question Barry and I get? What would you think that it'd be? I'm guessing it's that uh, I get it a lot with, you know, do you, can you learn leadership or aren't you just born with it? Don't you just have those innate abilities and I'm fooling myself to think I can do it? Is that it or is it something else? That's exactly it. The most frequently asked question about leadership we get is leadership born or made. Right. And our answer has always been the same since we first got that question 30 years ago, which is we've never met a leader who was not born. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's not that it's admitted otherwise. (laughs) We're all born. I mean, engineers are born, architects are born, teachers are born, coaches are born. We're all born. Uh, It's what you do with what you have before you die that really counts. And so how do you perform at your best as a leader has always been the question that we ask ourselves. And then, of course, you have to believe that you can learn it in order to be engaged in the work that we do. Uh, In fact, the science clearly demonstrates that you can. As you mentioned in your question, we found empirically that 99.99987% of people have some leadership capability. That's 0.00013% do not. So if, you, if you're in a 100-person organization, the number of people who don't have any leadership's capability whatsoever is zero. And if you're in a 1,000-person organization, the number of people who have no leadership capability is zero. 10,000-person organization, zero. 100,000-person organization, zero. You have to get to a million people before you can find one poor soul who has no leadership <laughs> capability whatsoever. Now, 
that would mean that the vast majority of people have some leadership capability. And one of the things that's getting in their way is constantly hearing that leadership is a talent. Only a few people have it and others don't. You're born with it. It's about, you know, uh, some birthright that you get. Those are all myths that inhibit us from learning. So the first thing we have to get past is, do you believe that you can? And there may be some who have a fixed mindset. They believe that their 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 abilities don't grow and that whatever they got, they got at birth and that's it. However, if they have a growth mindset in Carol Dweck's terms, who's really done some seminal research in this area, mm-hmm. then they'll believe that they can, they can learn and grow over time. And if they make mistakes, those are just opportunities to reflect and set some goals and, and, and improve through practice. So that's the first step. We have to, have to in, in, in any coaching intervention or, or training intervention, we have to sit down with folks and have a conversation about that. We also help, have to help them aspire to excel, look at where they want to be five, 10 years down the road as a leader, and also what are the values that drive their, that guide their decisions and actions along the way. We also have to help them challenge themselves. Learning happens outside of of our current capabilities. And so we have to help folks challenge themselves, stretch beyond their current level of competence enough that they're learning, but not so much that, that they give up, that they don't try. And then we have to engage support. We have to help them find role models that they can use to provide examples of 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 good behavior, mm-hmm. that, that is the exemplary behavior as a leader. We have to support them uh, in with cohorts of people who can provide them with with uh, feedback. And, and we also have to uh, provide the kind of support through continuous uh, coaching to help them improve their abilities. And then lastly, we have to help them practice deliberately, make learning a daily habit. So those are some ways that we as coaches, as trainers, as facilitators can help people begin to apply these fundamentals of learning to lead. Yeah, it, it sounds like just so much of it is is getting um, co-opting yourself and getting yourself out of the way of those negative limiting behaviors or beliefs. You know, I, I look at some of the things and think if people don't believe it's a it's a nice, easy out because, well, if I if I am incapable of doing this, then why work on it? Uh, it's sort of an easy out to think this other person's special. Josh is amazing as a leader. So why would I even try to be like him? Yeah. So I, I think those steps are something that that people can fall into pretty easy. Yeah. Well, we all know Josh is our ideal role model. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Boy, have I got you snowed. You, might, <laughs> you, you mentioned deliberate practice, and, and I've been – I was just recently reading back through Bill's uh, book on outliers and you know, the idea of 10,000 hours and really yeah. around the idea of deliberate practice. And, you know, um, I'm wondering, I, I like the way that you tackle myths around le- leadership head on and the, um, you know, kind of call self-reinforcing ruts can be incredibly strong. So you know, in your experience, what does it take to get out and stay out of those ruts? Is it that deliberate practice of you know, kind of just every day intentionally working to be better? Exactly. Twyla Tharp, uh, who is uh, an American dancer and choreographer, most notably with the American Ballet Theater, uh, and, and written uh, some books on creativity. I think The Creative Habit is the name of one of her books, wonderful book on creativity. She said, uh, when you're stuck in a rut, you have to question everything except your ability to get out of it. And I think that goes back to this first step. You have to believe that you can learn to lead in order to get out of a rut. And so... 
that's the first step. But you only get stuck in a rut if you drive the same road every single day. So getting out of a rut goes back to learning and adopting the practices uh, and the, these fundamentals of learning to lead. You got to challenge yourself. You got to engage support. You need to practice deliberately, and, and you also need to have aspirations to get better than you currently are. So I, I think getting out of a rut is really uh, finding new paths to go down that will force you to learn new skills and abilities. Mm. I like so, that. so if that was if that was one place to start applying learning leadership is it to look for these new paths to go down or you know where would that be if i was going to start applying this well as an example uh, and this falls into the area of challenging yourself successful uh, people understand that the best way to learn something and and get good at it is to fail as fast as they can the only uh, louis ck louis ck the comedian remember yeah. you know yeah. louis ck the comedian yeah <laughs> funny guy he's he was once asked, so how do, I, I want to become a stand-up comic like you. Uh, uh, what, what do I do? And he said, the only road to good shows is bad ones. Just <laughs> go start having a bad time. And if you don't give up, you get better. Great advice. I think one of the reasons we don't learn to do anything better than we currently do is because we don't want to look bad. We don't want to perform badly. But I'm sure you, you both have experienced this. When you're trying out a, a new speech or, or a new training program or a, a new technique or a method, you hope that you do it really well the first time. But the odds are very unlikely that you're going to get it perfect the first time you try it. And so we have to get past that barrier as the, the Twyla Tharp comment that you have to question everything except your ability to get out of that rut. You have to then set some new directions for yourself. Uh, you have to try new things. Uh, here's one little mental exercise, uh, or actually, it's actually a technique you can apply on, on a weekly or even a daily basis. Ask yourself the following question. What have I done in the last 24 hours to improve so that I'm better now than I was 24 hours ago? What have I done in the last week to improve so I'm better this week than I was last week? If we continuously ask ourselves, what am I learning right now? Not just what am I doing right now? Uh, and make that a, a, a habit that we engage in on a regular basis. It will help us to get into this learning mindset. It, it, it seems like, yeah, I totally agree with you that that's, that's a way to do it. I think some of the challenges that we see with some leaders is that a lot of people's competence is wrapped up, or maybe I should say it the other way, their identity is wrapped up with their competence. So it's it's not only mm -hmm. look bad, but if I am not fully successful 100%, if I'm 99.99 successful, if that's not true, then I'm not an okay person. I mean, it's a very interesting thing that as adults, we get patted on the back probably as kids and, and we get to a certain point where if there's any criticism, even if it's helpful, can be seen as a detraction from folks. So that's one place I see leaders struggle a lot. It's just admitting that there's room for improvement, mm. which is that believe in yourself. Where do you see leaders struggle most? And how do you think that folks like with more authority, with similar authority, meaning a peer or less authority, how can they help those people who are struggling as, as leaders to learn? According to our research, using so we use the leadership practices inventory as our measure of exemplary leadership behavior, mm -hmm. and then we correlate how people form on, on certain dimensions. So let's take engagement as, as one example. Uh, we could also take financial measures, but let's take engagement since uh, that's something that's very important these days to all organizations. And you correlate exemplary leadership practices to engagement. 
what we find is the lowest scoring behavior on the leadership practices inventory is ask for feedback. So people who don't ask for feedback score lower, both themselves individually as a leader in their, their uh, direct reports on engagement than those who ask more frequently for feedback. So asking for feedback is the lowest scoring behavior. The lowest scoring practice of our five practices, so model the way, inspire a shared vision, challenge the process, enable others to act, encourage the heart. The lowest scoring practice of those five is inspire a shared vision. So individual behavior, the, the one single behavior out of the 30 that we measure is asked for feedback on how my performance is impacting your performance. And the practice, which consists of six questions essentially, is inspiring a shared vision. Mm -hmm. So if I want to improve in inspiring a shared vision, for example, I need to start asking myself more questions of, about three things. I need to reflect on my past and look at where I got started. What, what, what do I bring to the present? I need to attend to the present and see what are the trends that are ha happening right now. What, where are people uh, socially, economically, politically, psychologically? What's going on right now? And what, what do I, what's happening out there five, 10 years from now if I, if I study the future, if I project out into the future and ask myself questions about what's going to be happening five, 10 years down the road, knowing we can't absolutely predict it, but we need to exercise foresight as a leader, then I begin to improve in that area. So when it comes to learning, as an example, if you apply that same technique, imagine yourself 10 years from now and you're named leader of the year. And you're surrounded at this ceremony by friends, coaches, colleagues, family members, and they're all talking about you that particular day. What do you hope people are saying? What do you hope they're saying about the lessons they've learned from you? What do you hope they're saying about the ideals that you stand for? What do you hope they're saying about how they feel when they're around you? And what do you hope they'll say are, is the evidence that you have made a difference as a leader? The acronym for that is LIFE, L-I-F-E. And if you, if you think about what I want my life to be like 10 years from now and, and get a clear picture of that and then work backwards. So where am I right now on each of those, my, the lessons I want people to learn from me, the ideals I stand for, the feelings I want people to have, and the evidence of my leadership, where am I right now relative to that and what do I need to do in order to get there? That's a great place to start in, in improving both your learning to lead as well as your ability to inspire a shared vision. Awesome. Life. Thank you. Well, Tim Cuse, we thank you so much for the time that you've had today and sharing from learning leadership. I know I've got, I've got some notes I need to go back and, and look at myself. Greatly honored that you take well, the time to talk to us. It's my pleasure. And thank you for the opportunity to be able to talk with you and with your listeners. It's, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> Enjoyed chatting and laughing with you guys. So I appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, we're by throwing this pebble out into the world, we're adding another one of those ripples that you guys write about. Nice. Thank you so much, Jim. It's been my pleasure, Chris and Josh. Thanks so much. That's it for this episode of the Ripple Leader Podcast. For more about Ripple and Ripple Leadership, visit us online at rippleleader.com. You can order your copy of Ripple and gain access to other valuable resources. If you're on Twitter, follow and interact with Chris at at Ripple Leader. And I'm your co-host, Josh Schuler. We'll see you next time. And until then, 
go out and make some ripples. Ripples.